This is Mission.org. This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. Your content is at the heart of what you do. It connects your company to others, teaches them, guides them, and inspires them. But creating, managing, and editing content at scale is often very chaotic and difficult. Empower your content teams with Brightspot Content Management System, made specifically for marketers and corporate communications leaders. No more waiting for a developer to have to piece things together. Put the power to create and deliver powerful yet complex digital experiences into the hands of your marketers with a comprehensive suite of ready-to-use tools and functionality. Bring a bright spot to your tech stack, your customers, your team, with the Brightspot content management system. Visit brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another epic episode of Marketing Trends. Each and every week, I have the privilege of sitting across either virtually or in the studio of someone that has just done amazing things in the world of marketing and leadership. Uh, Well, folks, today is no exception to that. I am super pumped. We've been chatting for the past 20 minutes. I'm like, wait, we got to start the show because this amazing human being is actually here. So let me tell you a little bit about Jacqueline Woods, the Chief Marketing Officer for Teradata. Now, her career goes back to the you know late 80s, early 90s, um, but really some of the notable brands that she's worked for in leadership, I'll mention a couple of these because you may have heard of these. Let's start with Oracle, Oracle Corporation. She was a global VP at Oracle for 10 years, went on from Oracle and spent some time at GE as the chief of uh, segmentation and customer experience, really interesting role there. And then went on to work for a pretty small tech company. I don't know if you've ever heard of it called IBM. Just kidding, IBM. Uh, 10 years, almost 10 years in the role there as CMO of IBM. Uh, she she led IBM Global Financing. She led uh, marketing of their global business partners division. So a lot of experience there. And, and then went on to work as the CMO of Nielsen IQ. Um, for a couple of years and sat on the board and did some stuff for Winnebago Industries, which is interesting. And now, now, just over the year, her year mark as the Chief Marketing Officer of Teradata. Jacqueline, we are honored to have you. Thanks for being a part of Marketing Trends. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, it's exciting to be here. So happy to see you and be with you today. Indeed, indeed. So um, let's just start from a little bit of, of the, the baseline of kind of Tell us about Teradata for people who don't know about Teradata. Uh, describe the company and then what do you do there as chief marketing officer? Let me describe the company because I've been in technology, as you mentioned, Oracle, IBM, um, been in tech for at least 20 plus years, and I love technology. And Teradata is responsible for, they have um, the what I, I shouldn't say big as in big, it's actually a cloud native product that is a data warehouse. So storing all your information and analyzing it. 
And within that, we also have Clearscape Analytics. So we have a product that we call Vantage Cloud Lake and Vantage Cloud Enterprise. And then we have Clearscape Analytics. Those are our major products. Now, you you know, for, for those who don't know, I mean, Teradata is going toe-to-toe with some, some big competitors. And I know you've worked for a couple of them. Um, so, you know, the analytic data platforms market is it's highly competitive, as you know, Jacqueline, and you face a lot of those traditional competitors like IBM and Oracle, as well as some new emerging competitors. What do you feel are Teradata's like real key differentiators or value props against some of these aforementioned companies? I think the biggest one is that Teradata is the name in enterprise data warehousing, particularly at scale. They are the company, we are the company that invented this space uh, about 40 years ago. So it has both that legacy and heritage that nobody else can claim, very similar to the way you think about Oracle with the Oracle database. So Teradata, data warehousing and enterprise warehousing, no one else does it better than Teradata. The other thing that Teradata has, so so you'll hear sometimes competitors talk about um, capabilities, and it's not even that we are, are saying, wow, you just thought of that. Most times, the capabilities that most of our competitors particularly now are talking about are things that Teradata did like a decade ago. And I think that's really important. So when it comes to innovation uh, around semantic mapping or native object storage and things like that, Teradata is the company. Hmm. The other thing that we have is our Clearscape analytics, as I mentioned. So we've always had this like really strong analytics platform And doing analytics inside the database is actually important because now you're not necessarily moving the data from place to place. And so we have some of these key characteristics that I think other companies don't have and aren't able to do. And I think doing it at scale, and I'm talking, you know, like not just millions of queries per second, like tens of millions of queries Um, And doing this across a broad set of data, uh, most companies can't do it in the same way that Teradata can, and particularly at the scale that Teradata can. So I think we are not just in a great place in the market, but a leading position in the market. And as you said, it's a very, very competitive market. Mm -hmm. So what did you see you know, you, here you just said it well. I mean, look, this brand's been a while around a long time. You know, you you kind of assess this opportunity before you joined Teradata. What did you see? Like, what were some of these kind of early insights that you gathered before joining? You know, before taking this opportunity on. I think that's what I saw. the The first thing was I worked at, like you said, some very large companies, and I think that experience always prepares you for you know, kind of looking at opportunities, understanding them and saying to yourself, I know where this company is and I know where it's trying to go, grow and go to and how can I help it and how do my skills help do that? And I think that's what was really attractive for me about Teradata. The other thing was the leadership team that was there. We are probably, and, and I don't know this for a fact, but you should test it out. 
50% of our leadership team, and when I say leadership team, I'm talking C-suite, not like, you know, someone who's a senior vice president or below the C-suite. Our C-suite is 50% female. Oh, wow. 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 And that made a huge difference for me because that meant that I knew that my uh, CEO, Steve McMillan, was not committed in words to diversity, equity, and inclusion, but was committed to it through action and was really intent and purposeful on hiring a stellar group of people. Wow. And when when I talked to him, he's like, you know, I I've I've almost got my leadership team complete. And I really, you know, been looking for a chief marketing officer mm-hmm. and you're like you're the person. Um and and so it's always makes you feel good when you know someone's been intentional in their search and not just, I mean, there's a lot of people out there, right? Um, but really looking for the kinds of skills that I had and that I would bring to the company to take it to its next place and to be entrusted with something that is, you know, has been this jewel that's at an inflection point and how does it transition from what it started off as an on-premise, you know, software company to a SaaS software company. Mm -hmm. That's not an easy pivot, Mm -hmm. right? If you've been, you know, ask Oracle, ask IBM, everyone has had to do it. Um, And we've all moved from a place of, you know, where cloud was like, "Uh, I'm thinking about it to, oh, no, now I need to do it, where it is the predominant way that people like to use their compute. And that was happening when, while I was at Oracle. And in fact, Oracle was actually at, at started some, what I would call kind of early cloud, you know, wasn't called cloud at the time, but, you know, kind of this early, can I run your business for you offsite, you know, someplace else, and I'm going to run your whole data center and in a different location, which essentially is, you know, now what all the hyperscalers are doing. And so that has always been, you know, for me, the things that intrigued me about technology, but also intrigued me about Teradata, it moving from one place to another in the same way that Oracle has transitioned over time as well. And understanding that the company wants to transition is really most important. Mm. And I, I just love, I, I want to key in again on the, you know, 50%, you know, leadership, 50% female in the C-suite, which I, I just love that. I, the storyteller in me is like, okay, I want to go follow that whole ELT team around because there's so much, I mean, like, I'm going to put a pin in that because I want to talk to our producers. I'm just like, that's amazing. And I don't always run across that. And so as I just was just on the website looking at, you know, some of these, I mean, folks um, that are joining you, I mean, yeah, and it's not just like, so it's, it, and they are, our chief product officer is a female, our chief right. financial officer is CFO. Yeah. Our, our, our chief legal officer is female and, yes. and our chief people officer is a female and the chief marketing officer is a female. And so yep. we, yep. we are the, you know, instrumental in how this company runs and the ethos of the company. And I think you get a whole different set of conversations Mm -hmm. when you're not the only person. 
and particularly for me as a, as a minority, mm-hmm. I also feel like I have automatic allyship, mm. it, which is important. So you're you're not kind of you know feeling like you're in the room and your voice is not heard. The yeah. voices in the room are open to everyone, and that's critical. Wow. Um, and we are really really intentional about that. I love it. I mean, it's I, look when I when I start to peek into you know some of these organizations, and I find that the most the ones that that are the most diverse that are actually truly diverse are really. I mean, in terms of just all the things moving in the right direction, it's like the support is there, the revenue is there, the culture is there, the communication is there. Like, and it's it's really inside of these really rich, diverse teams that are actually doing it, not just talking about doing it, but like look at their teams. Um, we had uh, Ameka Ofadale, who's the head of uh, sports marketing at ESPN. Okay. He came on the show a couple uh, a couple months back. And just look at the ESPN's leadership teams. You'll see it's such a mix of people and all different types of human beings um, leading that organization and all the way down, which is beautiful to see. So I love the emphasis there. And I'm sure there's some really beautiful, yeah, like creative collaboration and support coming out of the, out of the rooms. Uh, so more to come on that. That's amazing. That's just really important for a technology company because we're mm-hmm. technology companies are often criticized for their lack of diversity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, granted, you know, no company is perfect and we're not perfect either, but you have to start somewhere. And I think most things start from the top. So mm-hmm. if you have at the top been purposeful, that will cascade through the rest of the organization because you will be intentional about your hiring and promoting throughout the organization. And I think that that's really, really important. I love it. It's it's a, a beautiful, I see a beautiful tide changing, you know, inside of these these brands and it's and people like you and others um, are just critical. So I just, I love it. So keep going. Um, And and I've talked about this before, and if there's things that I've written that are out there where I talk about the responsibility of the marketing profession. And if you are a marketing professional, the importance of having integrity around what you communicate, why you're communicating it, and the responsibility that you have as a marketer. I, I think that that's something that were, you know, I don't want to say we pivoted away from that, but I definitely think around purpose, integrity, and trust is something that like people are pivoting back to Mm. um, simply because of, of all of the different narratives that have been out there on really challenging topics. And we have a responsibility to be truthful, it's not just quote truth in advertising, but to one respect different cultures, mm-hmm. uh, two to respect people, and that as a marketer, that you really hold the kind of key in the organization to make sure that that happens, and you truly do like that's on you. Um, I think that we have to be intentional Mm. about our purpose 
and how we deliver the messages that we deliver in the marketplace. And that has never been more important than I think it is right now. Mm-hmm. Love that. And if you look at some of the, um, even some of the the advertising that, that you're starting to see really is, is not kind of, the, you know, kind of these things that are glorified or overly amplified or, or just kind of overly excessive. It's, it's going back to the core principles of the value of the products and what they deliver and, you know, what value they are to you as whether a consumer or a business and then really honing into that, helping your customers to understand that, whether they're B2B or B2C, and then really just focusing on that in a very intentional way. Okay. And the the reason why that's so personal for me, I, I, I feel that we ha- have a responsibility to do that. Um, and I think when we don't do that and do that well, you know, it's not just that people get hurt. Um, it's that people can get hurt and you own the making sure that you care for people in a way that I think is meaningful and you just demonstrates empathy. Mm. And I think we're going back to that because I think that we have all experienced this this environment whether it whether it was exacerbated through kind of online and social uh any kind of bullying just kind Mm -hmm. of this a constant barrage i think people are just tired of that Mm -hmm. um and and really looking to not feel that way and i think it's particularly important when you think about the increase in rates of suicide and things like that, that surely have been, you know, affected, whether it's from the pandemic and from some of those things that happened during the pandemic, as well as just kind of this constant trying to live in a certain way based on what you may see on the internet. And I think, I think people are trying to kind of steal those waters or quell that belief of trying to be something that actually does isn't real and doesn't exist, which mm. is why I think this this authentic, truthful, empathetic uh, viewpoint is is going to what be what bubbles up mm. over the next twelve to eighteen months. And I think we're pivoting back to that. And I think that's important. And I'm personally grateful for it. Um, because, you know, we, we've seen a, a lot over the pandemic. Uh, many people had many, uh, it affected many families. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone who doesn't know someone who lost someone. Mm-hmm. We all lost someone during this time. And, um, and it was tough. Mm-hmm. And I think we want to go to a place of gratefulness and gratitude and people want to be happy. That's good. That's good. Okay. Um, at the time of this act, this conversation, actually, Teradata is fresh off 
a fantastic series of product announcements um, at AWS. Um, now, there was a quick little segment that said Teradata is harnessing the power of AI and ML, bringing the future of data and analytics to its customers with flexible, easy to use analytics, the new cloud native and multi-cloud deployment options. Now, I'm not a super techie guy in that way, but I know the value of data to marketing leaders. And, and I know how difficult it can be to make sense of it all. Um, talk to us a little bit about how these tools are going to benefit business leaders who may have struggled to keep, you know, data dives in the past. Well, I think it's a couple things. So, so first of all, I like to actually, people talk about data often as the new oil. Yep. Um, I actually do not like, um, that metaphor that much. Um, I, I, I really think of data really as, as water. And let me tell you why. I, I love this. I love, let this. me tell you why I describe it that way. Okay. When you think of, because I love one to tell stories and I love to do research. And so one day I was like, you know, everyone keeps talking about it as oil, but I really think it's more like water because when you think about data, it's not about how much you have. It's about how usable the data actually is. And one thing about data is its proliferation. And so we have more and more and more and more data. And, you know, every all the statistics are out there about how many bytes that we have. And it's, you know, kind of, it, it just reminds me of a little cartoon of like the data just piling on top of you. And by the time you kind of and just think of a cartoon and you have all these little pieces of information and the person's like trying to find the one little piece of information that's actually going to be meaningful that they need to actually do something with that's going to be the answer that they're looking for for the business problem that they're trying to solve. Now, whether that's like all of a sudden is, you know, I have, you know, 20% churn in my customer base, think of telecommunications, think of any kind of subscription-based business, think of something, you know, you know, anyone selling any kind of media product that's streaming, there is a high degree of churn on those products. And if you are the person that's like struggling through all this data and you're like, oh, my God, I just need the one piece of information that's going to help me basically turn this tide around. That's, to me, the difference between usable water, something that you could drink that's going to save your life and the 80 to 90 percent of the water on this planet that you actually can't use that you actually couldn't drink if you wanted to, that actually wouldn't save your life. And it's the ability to change the unusable to something that can be used, that quote could be life-saving. So if you're the person that finds the one nugget of information or the insight that helps you figure out how to stem the churn that you're having, so reduce it from 20% to 8%, and it's at that steady state and you feel like that's your metric, that's okay, you've made it 12% improvement. The only way you're going to be able to ever make that kind of improvement is through data and analytics. Mm. That is the only way because it's the thing that you're going to be analyzing. What are the patterns? 
Why is this happening? What is it because we had the one movie for, you know, this one week and then we didn't have it anymore. And so people just signed up. Did we not have the right offer that basically said you had to basically be on my platform for 12 months? What are the things that I need to do differently that I'm not doing? And Mm. so data and analytics is the only thing that helps you solve those kinds of problems. One of the key kind of drivers for marketers, and we're hearing a lot about this now, is like this need for like real-time data, right? How does Teradata Solutions help reduce the time needed to extract and process data so marketers don't miss these opportunities? Well, we have the fact that our product is like the fastest in the marketplace, period. Okay. So, so we're talking not seconds, we're talking like milliseconds, nanoseconds in terms of getting answers. If you think about a company like American Airlines, which runs 28 business operations using Teradata, it's about how quickly can they make sure that they're getting answers back to their customers or getting the insights that they need for their business operations for kind of managing a fleet of airplanes. And so those are the types of things that we do uh, better than anyone and at scale. So we're not talking like a few hundred customers. We're talking millions and millions of customers mm-hmm. and hundreds of millions of transactions, even even billions. Are these solutions kind of ready for marketing leaders like out of the box or is there kind of still a need for data teams to still serve as a you know middleman of sorts? There's still a need for data scientists okay. and data modeling. So when you think about it, even though, and, and this is something that I know that you know well, Jeremy, and if most of us have the one airline that we use most of the time, but we often, you know, from time to time, we'll have to fly on another airline that may not be our primary. Mm-hmm. And have you ever tried to go to a website of an airline that's not your primary airline? <laughs> <laughs> so they're all different. Mm-hmm. And so while the problems may be similar, th- what we do with our data scientists and consultants is actually take our data models and frame them to the problem of your specific organization. And so just like you couldn't kind of pick up and just go to someone's website and figure everything out, you'll be able to, you know, kind of understand what the problem is. And then we have some uh, solution architects that help you solution that. Okay. Okay. Um, So we've been, we've been talking to some other, you know, marketing leaders about how, you know, uncertain, this uncertain economic climate is really impacting how a lot of brands are scenario planning and thinking about what's coming next is Teradata making any adjustments in kind of how you market products and services during this kind of uncertain economic climate? Well, I think for us, the, you know, we're tried and true and trusted. So we tend to be really resilient during difficult times because mm. one, we have one of the most efficient products in the market. So if your product's more efficient, just in terms of cost to serve and your total cost of ownership, ours is lower. So for that reason, we think that we will be able to help customers, you know, manage through this time. And we also have a number of different pricing models. So if you're, you know, kind of with every click or with every drink, you're paying more money, 
that's expensive. And, you know, you need to have multiple different types of offerings to Mm. provide people some flexibility during these times, because they could pretty much have some pretty difficult cost escalations. We don't generally see that with our product based on the way that we price our product. Mm, Okay. So we, we feel like we're actually in a better position. Wow. Okay. So, Let's circle back to all the, the new exciting announcements from Teradata for a second, because our our, uh, our senior writer is a diehard Giants fan. So he wanted to make sure I bring this up because it looks like recent news tells us that Teradata will be the official analytics provider of the New York Giants. Yes, we are. So wh- how did this come about? Like, wh- What new levels of analytics is the team looking to find? Well, let's just first start with, did you notice that they are winning and having a winning season? <laughs> yeah. We don't want to take all the credit for it, but maybe we'll take some credit <laughs> yeah, for it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really, that was focused on what kind of customer experience do they want to deliver to their customers and what types of insights are they looking for uh, to deliver to their customers? And so that can be patterns on many things, patterns on concessions, patterns on tickets, patterns on parking. And we've done that with some other sports franchises as well. So we had, a, you know, pretty much a lot of experience in that space. And that's how that started and how we could help them do that kind of analytics that they were looking for to really improve their fan experience. Are there any kind of unique challenges or, or opportunities that come from having the sports franchise as a, as a big customer or partner? I don't think so. I think the I think I would never say that there's unique challenges. I feel like there's always an opportunity. So for me, it's always about the the best thing that we do is think about our customer's customer. Mm. So and that's how I approach like everything that we do, right? Oftentimes people say, Oh, well, you know, this company's B2B and someone else's B2C. The first thing that I would tell people now is that there, it's not that there's absolutely no difference between B2B and B2C, but the difference is much smaller than it used to be 10 years ago. That's number one, because anyone who's B2B expects a B2C experience, so you better give it to them. Number two, it's not about what we, Teradata, do for the Giants. It's about what is the Giants' ambition for their fan base and how they create a better experience. And then my job is to figure out how does our product help them do that. And as long as we kind of keep our focus on what is our customer's ambition. So whether you are a bank or a consumer packaged good company, or in this case, a sports franchise, what's the most important thing for you around your customers? And how do we help you meet those ambitions? Mm, Okay, I love that. Um, let's spend a little bit of time on diversity, authenticity, and respect. I want to make sure we kind of close up with with some of these thoughts that you might have. Um, you know, Jacqueline, you've been a champion, right, of you know the idea that both companies and employees should embrace their heritage and their unique perspectives. Tell us and tell our audience, like, why is this such a major part of your marketing philosophy? It's a major part of my philosophy because I think that if you've ever been in a place where you felt like you couldn't be yourself, that's a very hard place to be. And and on every dimension where people come into something, whether you're coming into a new school, whether you're coming into a new job, 
whether you're coming into a new group that you, you know, may not have been a part of. It could be a women's group. It could be anything. When you come in and you're either reading the room or reading the tea leaves or trying to understand the norms, you walk in and if you're the only one who is you, that by itself is not a comfortable feeling. That by itself is not a comfortable feeling. Right before the pandemic, I was presenting at an an Ascendant conference and I said to the room, I said, if you're me and you walk into this room, I said, this room is mostly men. There's maybe, I think maybe there was less than 15% women. And I said, there's one other person of color in here aside from myself. Have you ever felt how I feel when I walk into this room? And I appreciate the people who've come up to me and welcome, like, hi, how are you? But in most cases, I'm the one where there are groups or clumps of men where I have to go up and kind of try to start a conversation. And what I said to them was, I want you to think about that the next time you see someone like me, how hard it is for that person. And just reach out or say, you know, welcome them. And that is to me what facilitates someone feeling that they can be themselves. Because if you see people that are not like you, it's not that you're trying to mimic them or mimic their behavior. You're saying this is the group that they appear to all know each other and they appear to all accept each other. And so maybe the me that who I am may not be accepted. And so therefore, I've got to kind of morph into something that may not be me, Mm. Mm. you know, which is why the, you know, kind of the people may not understand the big deal about people's hair and them having the ability for, you know, uh, people of color to wear their hair natural, you know, the way that they want to wear it and why that's so important. It's important because it is someone saying, accept me the way that I am. Mm -hmm. I don't have to, like, I may not look exactly like you, but how I look is okay. Mm -hmm. And you should be okay with it too. And we should all accept that. And so that's what I mean by people bringing their authentic self, feeling that they can be their authentic self, feeling that they can be who they are, whatever that is. If I rolled up in here with some purple hair today, it would be okay. That's just me and who I am. And I think that we've in the past not been as open and accepting to the differences that people have which I'm really extraordinarily happy that we are moving to a place where it feels like we are are able to do that now in a way that we hadn't in the past. I feel like in many ways, you know, you you've you know the path that you've chosen is not it has not been an easy one. You know, you're talking about working, you know, working not only at some large brands, but you're talking about you who was able to also navigate your way up to leadership at some really big brands and and some tough. The climates and you know and times 
And so in many ways, you know, you've been really kind of shining a light and shining a path for those. And, and I agree with you. I think things are changing, which is great, but they weren't always this way. So, yeah. They weren't this way. And it was, and, you know, if I'm being, you know, brutally honest, it was hard for me. Um, it wasn't easy. I, I was 99% of the time I was the only, often the only female and certainly the only, you know, black person in, in the room. Um, and that, that was hard, you know, um, what made you keep going? What made you keep going? Cause you certainly could have, you could have, you could have taken lots of twists and turns outside of the bet, the big brands that you worked with, but what, what made you keep going? I, that's a, that's an interesting question because I literally on my own website, I, I say, you know, if you put one foot in front of the other, eventually you, you'll get there. And I really believe that um, I'm a big believer in Aesop's fables. I love the tortoise and the hare. I love the fact that the little tortoise just kept on moving and, you know, the hare like <clears throat> tuckered out. I love that. I love the fact that, you know, people can be resilient. I love that you, you can be a cat and have nine lives. I love that you can have a setback and just get up and keep going. And I think the difference is, you know, we're going to have setbacks. You're going to have setbacks. I had setbacks. I had tons of setbacks. I think I just did not let those things define me or even stop me from what I felt was my own path that I wanted to take. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you, you, you found, you definitely found something deep within, you know, to keep, keep going, which I think is really important. Um, Earlier this year, you were you were featured in the video by the by the Black Executive CMO Alliance. Shout out to Jerry DeVard. Shout out to the to Becca. Um, in this video, you beautifully described America not as a melting pot, quote unquote, but we, as we often hear. But you said it's more like a mosaic. Uh, can you expand on this a little bit? How does this perspective impact your your marketing, if at all? Well, that's. That's the reason I say people want and need to be their authentic self, mm -hmm. because I think if you're a melting pot, you change your form and you actually your form is not distinguishable anymore mm -hmm. of what it was to start with, no matter what it is. If it's ice that melts, if it's butter that melts, anything that melts and blends with a bunch of other stuff, if you're baking a cake and you know you have egg, milk, and flour, the batter is different than when it was an egg and when it was butter. You can't distinguish those things. Hmm. And when you're a mosaic, you can put things together that are still uniquely beautiful and they still hold their identity. And that's why I personally believe in the mosaic as opposed to the melting pot, because I don't think that people have to lose their form and they have to lose their identity. I think you can still have that and create things that are incredibly beautiful. Mm, I love that distinct, that distinction. Um, it also is similar to, do you know, uh, Melissa Proctor by chance? She's the CMO for the Atlanta Hawks. I don't. Okay. I'd love to meet her though. Yeah. So you can introduce me, Jeremy. Yeah, connect you. But she she spoke of similarly just to what you were, you know, in alignment to what you're saying about how she, you know, she reflects on, the, on her career, how she she made sure to hold on tight to her authenticity 
to always be that person. And then, and I think for you as well, like you clearly, you, you, you had many opportunities to probably mold and shift and, and, and kind of, you know, say the right thing, do the right thing. But it's like, at some point you kind of, you kind of have to say, no, like I gotta, I gotta honor my truth in this. I got, this is what's true for me. And that is the thing that will, you know, support you on, on forward versus placating and saying the right things. And so you, you found that authenticity. It seems like that is really what one, one thing that really helped guide you. I think it's a guiding principle for me. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you um, identify that because it's it's certainly me. If you ask 10 of my friends, they would 100% mm-hmm. say that about me. And again, the thing that happens is sometimes that's risky, right? Because it's mm-hmm. not always popular mm-hmm. um, because you're not necessarily always going along to get along. And which is why when we started this conversation, we talked about um, the importance of truth and trust in the profession of marketing. And I hold myself to that personally. Like I, I hold myself to what is my truth. Mm. Like, you know, you can go along to get along, but at some point it's like, if people came for seven other people before you, they're going to come for you. So there's like losing yourself and and not doing what's right or holding to what you believe is the right thing. You know, I don't, I don't think it benefits you and holding to your belief systems are the thing that kind of girds you. And I'm just happy that like my parent, like my father was a minister. Ah. My mother was a, my father, yeah. My father was a minister and my mother um, is a retired principal. And so I kind of had these two people on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Like, it's like a lot of guilt. <laughs> <laughs> and faith and faith. <laughs> guilt and faith, you know, of, of, of like really kind of honoring my honoring my parents and what they taught me mm-hmm. um but you know the the only thing that you actually have is your own integrity at the end of the day after everything else kind of falls away mm-hmm. that's that's what's left yeah. yeah that's what's left and you know being forthright is is important. And I, and I'll share one other thing with you, which I think is pretty funny. So everyone watches, you know, some kind of reality TV, whether (laughs) it, whether it's big brother, whether it's the survivor or any of these things. And you always say to yourself, you know, the person that's always a nice person that's kind of goes along to get along, but you know, they can't help you win a competition. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have people that will kick the person out, like the person who like got the chicken and killed it and was, you know, you you could eat tonight, all those things. And I always say to myself, at the end of the day, the when people make those decisions early on, ultimately you may win a few battles, but you don't win the war. Mm-hmm. They never win the game yeah. because as hard as it is, it takes all kinds of people and you might not have liked the person who was the person who like caught the chicken, but if that's going to keep you from like losing 40 pounds in 22 days, mm-hmm. then for me, I want that person. Right. And 
ultimately, it's not always going along to get along. It's about what is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And often that's way harder than going along to get along. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, wrap us up with these last two questions. What does a successful 2023 look like for Teradata? And what does a successful 2023 look like for Jacqueline Woods? For Teradata, a successful 23 is, you know, I would say, as I mentioned earlier, it's really like having our customers be woefully successful because if they are, we'll automatically be successful. Mm -hmm. So I want my customers to be wildly successful and need to, you know, use and buy more of my product. That would be awesome. And that we, you know, have a lot of things on the horizon and that we deliver them on time and that we do all the things that we have in our roadmap and we get all those things done. We would be wildly successful. That's what I want for Teradata. Um, For myself, I want to continue to be grateful and have fun. This past weekend, I was out with some friends. We were laughing for like just hours because we were making jokes of one of our friends that we gave her a nickname, um, who we now call her Cough Drop because her name is Nicola. But we started going like, Ricola, like the cough drop. So we now call her cough drop. But this is now this running joke that's really, really funny. And I just realized just how much fun we were having, just laughing and hanging out and doing nothing. Like we, we weren't going anywhere. We just happened to be at a restaurant. And it was like four hours of straight you know, kind of just fun. So for me, it's having fun, enjoying what I'm doing at work, enjoying my family, um, you know, wanting everyone to do well and be in good health and really being grateful for that. That's what a great 2023 looks like for me. I love it. You could have said a lot of things and I love it. The first thing you said was continue being grateful and having fun. Those are just two core tenets that I just pers- I have a personal affinity for. So thank you for that. I support that. And and Jacqueline, I mean, look, this has been an incredible conversation. I mean, you're you're one of those marketing leaders that I need several hours, you know, to really cut through all. I mean, there's so much I want to know, and I know our audience wants to know. But we got some stuff in today, and we just appreciate you coming on. This has been an awesome conversation. So thank you for being here. Wishing you a lot of success. Wishing the Terra Data Squad continued success next year. Um, and just congratulations. Thanks for being here. Thank you. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. 
head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.